Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It is time for The View from Victoria. Let's check in once again with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning to you. Good morning. Those Taylor Swift songs, they're hyping me up. 6.30 in the morning, they're getting me going. The, the biggest conversation of the morning, Rob, is which Taylor Swift song are we playing today? Well, there's so many, so we'll, we can go for weeks. We sure can. Yes, there's, there's no stopping us. So I'm glad that you are enjoying those. Are you having any, any uh, in case people don't know the story behind that, if they weren't uh, listening on uh, Monday, is having any remorse over not getting Taylor Swift tickets? I am a little bit. I am a little bit. You see a lot of people talking about getting them, people talking about flipping them for cash, but you know, you got to be part of the solution, not the problem. So I just can't, I just, I'm not a ticket scalper at my core, I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough. It is not for everybody. There, there you go. We'll just continue listening to Taylor on uh, the, uh, when we, right before we uh, talk to you. Uh, Rob, let's uh, talk a little bit about the tour. We uh, all saw David Eby, some of the other ministers in the fire affected areas of BC. Uh, he was uh, taking that tour yesterday. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, he got uh, kind of a mixed bag. He heard some incredible stories from people, and we only captured a few of them from what we could see by camera. But he did meet, for example, um, with James Toma, who is chief of what uh, used to be called the Little Shushwap Lake Nation. And he had this incredible story he told the premier. Uh, he broke down telling it. EB kind of put his hand on his arm and and got him some uh, some Kleenex. He talked about staying, uh, hearing the evacuation orders, trying to fight the fire on Friday night uh, near his house. Uh, He ended up watching his home go up in flames. He barely got his wife out. He said just with uh, minutes to spare, they saved their cat. They uh, were facing 40 kilometer an hour winds. They escaped uh, to underneath a bridge where they spent an hour and a half with fire roaring all around them before uh, they were rescued by boaters, and these they were even trying to tell the boaters, it might be too dangerous for you to come in and, and rescue us. Think of yourselves, but the boaters came uh, as well. And so he's telling the premier this story, and you can see uh, the premier who was at the a Kamloops evacuation center at the time being being very moved by these kind of stories. And, and you know, in the news update, uh, we're talking about people who are very thankful to the municipal departments as well, who are mainly in the structural protection area, trying to save people's homes and, you know, a lot of goodwill, a lot of thanks uh, being shared there too. So I think that was the positive part of it. But, you know, as always, there's, there is another part of, uh, of the reception that he would have faced as well. Right. And this is uh, people who uh, maybe weren't overly impressed with the communication that they were receiving. And this whole idea and something that, that you've been talking about on mischief or, or taking fire suppression equipment and a, a very different story, depending on who you ask. Yeah, I think the BC Wildfire Service, you know, and deserves all the praise in the world. But in this particular case, um, they are are getting an earful of criticism because they have described what happened in the North Shuswap area as theft and mischief 
from people moving their equipment around. And the premier heard directly from some of those North Shuswap people uh, in the kind of Scotch Creek area at the evacuation camp yesterday who said, um, no, you know, that, that that is not what happened, um, that the uh, that there are people who stayed, uh, filled up the wildfire generators, moved the sprinklers around when no one was there to, and saved homes. And that when wildfire crews arrived later and discovered their gear had been moved, they counted that as theft, even though the gear came back. And so that message from the wildfire service went all the way up the chain of command until the premier, uh, emergency minister Bowen Ma, and forest minister Bruce Ralston are saying it out loud at press conferences. People, stop stealing gear from the wildfire service. And that's not entirely what happened. And so uh, the premier heard that directly. He also heard frustration that the RCMP are cutting off the supply routes to, to people who are still stuck or still fighting fires in the North Shoe Swap. And he so he got that as well. I think he also heard, and he addressed this a little bit, from some of the MLAs uh, and, and some of the evacuation uh, center people, I think, admit this too, that it's taken a long time to get some people processed through the system uh, from the evacuation center. And in some cases, uh, days to get them through that system and get them the hotel room, uh, hotel room or the help that they need. Um, and he did make it to... Uh, Kelowna, where he was talking to people at the command post there. And so he, he came out afterwards and said, absolutely unacceptable. People are having to wait in their cars uh, and can't get a hotel room. And so he's he's put extra personnel on the emergency evacuation side to try and speed that up. But clearly some logistical headaches uh, there that people were upset about as well. Right. And that couldn't have been only because there weren't rooms or there wasn't space. I know that was part of the reason why uh, the province brought in those travel restrictions, which uh, have now been been lifted. And I know a lot of tourism operators will be happy about that. But uh, was it just uh, there were just so many people and it took that long or, or was he given any reason as to why it was taking so long to process some people? Yeah, well, I think, you know, they did say that they had enough hotel rooms by the end, that that travel order, the ban to the region, the ban to uh, using a hotel room, if you did come, uh, freed up enough space eventually. But they had this big crush of people uh, when all of those uh, those fires kind of, um, you know, took off with the high winds in, on the Friday and sort of the Saturday. And it looks like it just has overwhelmed the system and that the, the systems that were being used by Emergency Management BC just couldn't keep up. The people couldn't keep up. And you had these reports of very long wait. So he's adding more people now. I think it's probably a little too late to address the worst of it. But, um, you know, that that's what happens in a fluid situation when you have unprecedented evacuations of you know, an urban center um, that the system just can't keep up. Continuing now with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. And Rob, some updates when it comes to BC ferries, but not the update probably people were hoping to hear. No, the coastal ships continued to be cursed. Uh, you remember um, the coastal celebration broke down recently at kind of a key time on the Swartz Bay uh, to Tawasson route causing chaos. The coastal renaissance, which is on the Duke Point to Tawasson route, that has broken down. And BC Ferries yesterday saying it's going to be until mid-October until they fix a problem with the motor. They're not even sure if it, uh, it, needs to, it can be fixed here. It's, it might have to be sent to Germany where the coastal ships were built. Uh, they weren't built here. They were built in Germany because it was cheaper, 40% cheaper to build them back in 2007. And now they're having trouble with parts and 
maybe having to send parts back. So there was a question to BC Ferries yesterday. Are these things lemons, <laughs> big floating lemons? Uh, and their answer is no, no, you know, like uh, we're, we're fixing them. Um, but there's kind of a ripple effect of all of these outages. This one on Duke Point, which is arguably a less busy route than Swartz Bay, but there's still 7,500 reservations they've got to rebook for before Labor Day. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to walk on, parking lots are going to be full, don't show up with other reservation on that route. So it, it, it is a problem, another headache in a summer of headaches uh, for BC Ferries. And good on them, I suppose, for getting out ahead of it and letting people know that you're going to be contacted if you have a, a reservation. And like you said, it's going to be very, very busy. But also, I would imagine too, and like you said, questions about these ferries and where they were built. Uh, my guess is they are no longer under warranty, but does no. this uh, does this sort raise questions about building ferries in the future maybe uh, maybe we find a different builder yeah like everything uh you know it's not under warranty when you need to fix it um and so they're gonna have to pay money to get this fixed and it could be expensive but you're right so bc ferry ceo nicholas Jimenez yesterday saying they're gonna spend two billion dollars on new ships very soon some will replace the kind of gulf islands island class ships the second uh, kind of batch will replace those C-class vessels. So from the 70s and 80s, you know, when you get on them, they're called the Queen of whatever, the Queen of Coquitlam, the Queen of Surrey. Uh, those ships will be replaced. And it'll be a perpetual question for BC ferries like it has for decades. Do you build them here in BC and pay more? And do you end up potentially, you know, the most infamous example of that, the fast cat ferries mm -hmm. that didn't work and we <laughs> lost tens and hundreds of millions of dollars on them in the 90s or do you send them overseas you know we built ships in poland for the salish class vessels we built them in germany you save money but you don't do anything for the shipbuilding industry here in bc so it is a question bc ferries is going to face i imagine they are not going to be able to answer it themselves the thumb of the new Democrat government will be heavy on the scale of where ferries builds those ships. And you can see a scenario where the new Democrats, um, you know, this this tranche of new Democrats who don't really date back to the 90s, don't understand <laughs> the, the problems that occurred there. But, and, and they may force the ships to be built in B.C. And who knows, they might be great, but it'll be a very sensitive question and, and a big one that B.C. Ferries is going to have to deal with pretty soon. Right. And really what people just want are vessels that don't break down and that mm -hmm. you can have some kind of surety that if you're going on a BC ferry, whether you're a tourist or whether you're somebody living on the island or that uses ferries on a regular basis, just to, you want a, a reliable system. And, you know, BC Ferries argument is it is reliable. It's like 98% reliable. It's kind of amazing when you go on the ships to think that we have this system here that every hour you can get on a gigantic cruise ship sized <laughs> ship and get on it and sail across and the ship docks and you've eaten a, a white spot burger and you get off the ship and then it turns around and goes right back. And it does that all day, every day, um, all year. There's no sort of days that the, the ships aren't sailing. And things break down, your car breaks down. I think the question for BC Ferries, though, is, you know, um, are, are there problems with this type of ship? They're, they're now pulling um, the maintenance records for the other ones, making sure they don't have the same number two drive motor problem. You know, like at some point when your car keeps breaking down, you start looking and saying, are, are other Kias in this model uh, you know, prone to these problems? And that's what BC Ferries is doing now. Yes, there will always be breakdowns, but um, this has been a bad summer for them. And People are kind of fed up with, uh, I think the, 
if you have any goodwill to BC Ferries uh, and you're willing to let things go, probably that's been exhausted after this summer of experiences. Right. And but but like you say, sure, it is it is great that they are uh, always there. And as we know, part of the highway system. But I think it was uh, said during the news conference yesterday, too, that the the spike in issues with the C-Class, the coastal renaissance and the close uh, coastal celebration uh, can be chalked up to their age and their usage. Well, then it seems like maybe there could be a better plan than rather than uh, just having these ships that are breaking down all the time. Yeah, they're they're could be a better plan and that could be buying new ferries but the minute you start buying new ferries you start paying more to use the ferries and this is the classic situation that any government has on any crown corp and this is not really a crown corp but it basically is you know you want to keep fares low that's the political day-to-day juice that makes you popular so you push off building new things whether it's in hydro whether it's in uh, any other corporation to keep fares low, you delay the investments in the future. And now, BC Ferries, the chickens have come home to roost. They're going to have to spend billions on new ships. And guess what? You will pay for that. Your fare will go up, and you will hate that. Mm. And that is the problem that Ferries has had for, for many years now, is government wanting to keep the fares low at the expense of really planning for the future. And you can't have it both ways. And that that will make people uh, ticked off as well when their, their tickets start to go up uh, and they start being upset about that. It's a good point and a delicate balance, isn't it? Because, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing the 7,500 people who are going to be contacted to have their reservations changed, if they can get on another boat, great. But you're right, nobody wants to pay double or wants to pay a whole lot more. No, and you know, they're moving another boat, I think from the Langdale route over to the Duke Point route. That's not really going to uh, cover it. So yeah, people are going to be inconvenienced. Uh, right up until Labor Day. It's funny because every time something goes wrong, we point out how close BC Ferries is to one of the busiest weekends of the year. You know, they have the BC Day long weekend, the Labor Day long weekend. There's the long weekend in July. Like every four weeks, they are in this massive weekend. And, and that's that exasperates the problems that they have. All right, Rob, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks so much. Okay, take care.